Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, political junkies in the city of Chicago, you want to have a good time listening to political conversation? I know you do. Then come join Maya and myself for First Tuesdays this, uh, what is the day? November 7th, first Tuesday of month, November 7th, 7 o'clock at Maria's in Bridgeport, 760 West 31st Street. We're going to be talking to Asian American political power in the city of Chicago. Alderwoman Nicole Lee will be there. Alderwoman Lenny Mana Hoppenworth will be there. Uh, Maya Duke Masapu will be there. I will be there. Maybe I get my distinguished guest who's just sitting here waiting to come on the show. Maybe I could talk him into coming there. Uh, anyway, it's November 7th, 7 p.m., Maria's 960 West 31st Street, enlightened political discussion. You'll walk in one way, you'll walk out smarter for having listened and absorbed what we had to say. Your Ben Jarofsky show for this Friday, October 20th starts now. On today's show, Ben welcomes back podcaster, advocate for the people, and co-host of The People's Show, Mark Wallace. The Ben Jarofsky Show is a presentation of the Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for everything there is to know in the city of Chicago. If you want to know what to do, where to go, what to eat, what to drink, what's going on in politics, what train you should take to get somewhere, you might just want to check out ChicagoReader.com. Tons of info all for you. And if you like Ben Jarofsky, there's even more of him there. Just go to chicagoreader.com forward slash Jarofsky. That's J-O-R-A B is in victory S-K-Y Hello again everybody, Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Chicago City Council Salaries Friday and here's why. Actually, it's oh what a week. Uh, my good friend Mark Wallace is uh, standing by to join me in a conversation on some of the leading uh, news stories of the week. Oh, my goodness. We're probably going to talk a lot of Trump. Trump. Uh, Mark has a very interesting prediction he's going to make. He's going to uh, unveil in today's show. I can't wait to discuss it. Uh, blew my mind when he mentioned it. Uh, we'll talk about Jim Jordan's failures to become House Speaker. Uh, as I began this show, news broke that he failed. I think it's a fourth time. I'm losing track how many times he's failed. Uh, time after time, as the song goes, Joe Biden, Israel, Joe Biden goes to Israel, the political reality of that, the fallout of that, whether you're as upset by it as I am, uh, we'll see what uh, Mark has to say about that. Uh, and then, uh, this being Mark Wallace, do a little red light camera talk because Mayor Brandon Johnson is following in the footsteps, or should I say the tire marks? of his predecessors, Lori Lightfoot uh, and Mayor Rahm, when it comes to uh, uh, cameras, red lights, et cetera, and so forth. Mark and I will take a little deep dive in that. But I'm going to open with a, I'm sure it wasn't intended to be funny, uh, but funny story uh, in today's Block Club by my dear friend Mick Dumkey and Quinn Myers, his uh, partner in crime over there at Block Club. And Mick and Quinn have been trying for weeks 
to pry from the Johnson administration some just essential facts. And that is, how much money do the aldermen get? Who's accepting the pay raise? Did the mayor, how much money is the mayor getting? The city treasurer, uh, the city clerk, et cetera, and so forth. And uh, <laughs> they couldn't get that basic information. I was talking to Mick on the phone today. Uh, he'll be on next week. We'll take a real deep dive in that because uh, it's it's darkly funny in an only in Chicago way. Uh, but it is uh, also revealing uh, to a certain degree of the Brandon Johnson administration. And my theory about the Brandon Johnson administration in these, well, it's, I, I, it's hard to say it's early days still, what we're five months in, um, is that, to put it mildly, they've not taken control of city government yet. And uh, there's still vacancies as I speak. I don't believe they've uh, appointed a permanent head of health, planning, building, housing, maybe building. I'm doing this off the top of my head. Uh, but these are key positions uh, they've not filled yet. Uh, and then there's also vacancies in the press information core. So it's just hard to get basic information. Uh, but Mick and Quinn uh, were able to eventually extract it uh, after several FOIA requests. Just some basic stuff. How much are they make? That's all. That's all we ask, okay? That's not much. Uh, anyway, the part that had me smiling uh, to a certain degree was how uh, Mayor Johnson addressed this issue when questioned about it at a press conference by Quinn. And uh, so I'll read to you uh, from Black Club. Here we go. Asked during a news conference last week why he decided to accept the pay raise, Mayor Johnson dodged the question, quote, look, the budget hasn't been passed yet. It hasn't been passed. Fighting for the interest of workers, that's always been my top priority. Black women get raises. We did that. We abolished the subminimum wage. We're fighting to bring Chicago home. We have an entire division within my office that's dedicated to workers in the labor movement. And so the budget has been presented and people get to cast their votes. That is classic mayor speak. I got to give uh, Mayor Johnson credit. He's only been in office for five months, but he mastered the art that really, uh, <laughs> I would say that he, without, I, he wasn't even around for this. So he just like picked it up. That just sounded like so many Richard M. Daly quotes where a reporter would ask a direct question and uh, Mayor Daly would just answer whatever he wanted, meander around here and there, <laughs> you know, go, go left, go right, go I'm going to go over here. I'm going to talk about this. I'm going to talk about that. Uh, and then, you know, invariably the reporter will be so confused. I can't remember what my question was. Hey, you just move on. And Chicagoans would nod their head and go, well, that's my mayor. I love him. Uh, and so what uh, Mayor Johnson did uh, brilliantly, I might add, or effectively, I don't know how brilliant it is. I may be too high to raise the bar. Uh, it's just, just to recite all the things that he's very proud of that his administration has done while avoiding the essential issue of uh, whether he accepted the raise uh, or why he accepted the raise. Um, and uh, <laughs> well done, uh, Mayor Johnson. Uh, you show that you've learned a thing or two in your five months uh, as mayor of the city of Chicago. All right, without further ado, podcaster advocate, not calling him an activist. We'll get into that later. Uh, businessman, extraordinarily successful businessman and dear friend of the show, Mark Wallace. Welcome back, Cotter. Um, ben, I am always deliciously proud to be on your show anytime that you invite me to be. It's a privilege. Uh, yes, and uh, I feel the same way. 
Uh, you are wearing pink right now. So before I uh, ask you to comment on the deafness uh, of Mayor Johnson's response to a direct question, uh, why don't you just explain why you're wearing pink? Go ahead. I'm wearing pink because this is the month of October and October is the month of breast cancer awareness month. And I am a 2023 ambassador for breast cancer awareness month. And as a part of being an ambassador, we are to wear pink every day of the month of October to bring awareness to people about breast cancer, as well as I have a goal that the American Cancer Society wants for all of the ambassadors to raise $2,500 in the month of October. I'm $613 to the plus. So I'm about $2,100 shy of that. I thought I would have a much easier time of raising it rather than just putting it in myself. I put in the first $150, well, the first $100. Um, Charles gave me 50 bucks and I put that in, but, um, so I have to raise $2,500 by the end of the month as an ambassador. And I, am um, determined to make that happen. Uh, but on a serious note, breast cancer is a very, very serious, uh, problem. And the American Cancer Society does a lot of work in terms of research, in terms of, um, assistance to people who are going through uh, breast cancer. And we all know at least one person, whether it's a family member or a friend or a foe that uh, has had to deal with breast cancer. And it is, um, though black women are um, a smaller number of cancer, breast cancer patients, they have a higher fatality rate. Black women are 40% more likely to die from breast cancer than any other ethnic group. Yeah, there's an urgency to this. Uh, I noticed we've uh, breast cancer, well, two two aunts uh, died of breast cancer. So it's um, all we know all too well about it uh, in the Jarofsky household. Uh, the Charles, aforementioned Charles, uh, that Mark alluded to, of course, is his partner in crime in the podcasting world, Charles Thomas, the former uh, ABC political uh, correspondent moved to the right maybe he's moving back who knows um i'm following charles's maneuvers but we're not here to talk about charles but that's charles thomas so i'm glad to see that he was very generous with you uh all right uh before we'll start in chicago uh and then we'll go to national international news and then we'll return to chicago so we'll start with chicago uh you've been following chicago politics for a long time uh, any thoughts on the artfulness of Mayor Johnson's response to the direct question posed to him by the Black Club reporter regarding why he decided to take a pay raise? Well, let me first say this. I'm a supporter of Mayor Johnson. I campaigned for him, uh, voted for him, and I'm hoping that he has a successful administration. However, I am a straight shooter, and I believe when somebody asks a question, then as a person who is in a political office, especially the mayor of the city of Chicago, the people of Chicago deserve a direct and truthful answer, not a political answer. So, um, so I, I really don't consider it to be an art. I consider it to be a 
deflection and a neglection of responding to the question of the taxpayer dollars that we are coughing up to pay his salary, increase of salary, and the other members of the city administration. So I think it was a failure. Uh, that is what you call, ladies and gentlemen, a direct response to a question that uh, Mark Wallace gave to me. Uh, Mayor Johnson, if you're listening, I know you always listen when Mark Wallace is on the show. Uh, you can learn from him. Uh, on the other hand, the reason I call it an art is that no matter what you say at a moment like that, you're probably going to irritate someone. Uh, and so what uh, politicians are taught, and some of them don't even have, uh, have to be taught this, uh, is to duck and dodge, to weave and bob. Uh, Pritzker, J.B. Pritzker, I always gave him credit. I called him uh, J.B. Travolta because he is quick on his feet at avoiding uh, a, uh, a question. He's a little more skillful at it than others. Uh, Tony Prickwinkle, Tony Prickwinkle, uh, president of the Cook County Board, is the absolute worst, in my humble opinion, because she's so obviously not answering the question. Uh, I think Brandon Johnson is not quite in Pritzker country, a little closer to Tony Preckwinkle, where it's obvious that he's not answering the question. Uh, and um, uh, and then he just moves on. So I, I, I'm, I'm like, I want to agree with you wholeheartedly, Mark, and adopt the notion that politicians always uh, be upfront uh, and honest. Because, yes, I believe that I like as an ideal. As a reality, I mean, <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't see it changing anytime soon because you only get in trouble when you speak the truth. You know what I'm saying? Go ahead. Well, you get in trouble if you start lying. Um, and I, I'll give a perfect example that when you start politicking an answer, uh, you only get further and further into trouble. And uh, Kim Fox uh, did that with the whole Jesse Smollett thing, as opposed to coming out and saying to people, listen, there, we made an error. Uh, we made an error, we're going to correct it. And, um, but we made an error. Instead, they continue to try to wrap the thread around politicking the answer and it just got worse. Oh, you're right. It got worse. One of the people who many people who are running for public office uh, like to assert is Harold Washington. I believe that in my observation, Harold Washington was probably the most forthcoming uh, public official that I have ever observed. Not to say that every answer that he gave was not a political answer, but I believe that Harold Washington was probably as forthcoming as anybody that I have observed in public office. Oh my goodness. Uh, first of all, you were, you're absolutely correct. I sit corrected uh, that Kim Fox example. I completely agree with what you said about what Kim Fox did uh, and uh, the inability to admit that a that someone made a mistake will get you every time, pretty much. Just got to own up to it. Uh, and um, yes, I come. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm with you there, 100. percent And it just did it such a disservice to sort of the, in many ways, the um, the movement uh, 
that she represented to have a whole different attitude toward criminal justice. Because always now all of a sudden we got caught up in Jesse Smollett and uh, her enemies had a hammer that wail away at her. Uh, she was successful in winning re-election, uh, but in just so many ways, it just hung over uh, her administration. She was absolutely correct. And the one, and I'll just say this about Harold Washington. Man, that guy, he, he was a let the chips fall where they may guy. I can give you so many examples, Mark, from personal experiences where I would ask him a tough question. And uh, I mean, these are ancient issues that nobody would remember. But one was like, why did he endorse um, uh, uh, Charlie, uh, like a, a Charlie's, uh, Charlie Hayes for Congress over Lou Palmer? And I'll never, he blew my mind with his answer. And it was just like, Charlie Hayes is my friend. I don't know Lou Palmer anything. I don't know the black nationals anything. I'm like, what? <laughs> Damn. You know, it was the most force, forceful, direct response. Uh, I And I was this, this kid reporter. Of, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Uh, and then get him talking about Burke and Verdoliak, same way. So, uh Yes, he like I. There's many reasons I believe he's the greatest mayor city Chicago had, and one was he was um, probably the smartest uh, and uh, the the most uh, he was the most courageous, uh, and he just let the chips fall where they may. So you're absolutely correct about that. Um, do you, in your humble opinion, before we move on, think that the alderman and the mayor uh, deserve a raise? Should they have uh, not taken a raise in the face of inflation? Go. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, there has to be some shared sacrifice. Uh, if the public has to have some sacrifice, then we expect for the public officials to do the same thing. Uh, they're not earning pennies. They're, they're earning far more dollars comparatively to political public officials in those same positions 30, 40 years ago. They're earning a lot more money. So them not getting a raise is not going to adjust their life negatively them, by them not taking a raise. So there should be some shared uh, symbol of sacrifice that they express to the public. If they're saying that the city is short a half a billion dollars or whatever the number is, then they should not be adding to that deficit. Of, of that number until we get to a place to where we are in a more prosperous or certainly governmental balanced uh, condition. So I think that the aldermen absolutely, as well as the mayor, should all have rejected accepting a raise. Uh, well, for the record, the automatic um, uh, salaries range and that we, I don't, it's, because uh, sometimes aldermen reject uh, pay hikes. It's up to them, actually, whether they want to accept it or not. And so there's a range that goes from like 130000 roughly to 145000 And the mayor makes over 200000 I forget the exact amount. Uh, so folks at home, do the calculations yourself. I know people are about to get a tax bill uh, if you're a property tax owner. Uh, and uh, so I'm sure a lot of people agree with your uh, the position you, you, you have there. Uh, I don't know. I'm a little uh, a softy when it comes to aldermen. Uh, they have, they're the front lines. Everybody have a complaint, you call the alderman. Uh, so I don't begrudge the aldermen uh, their their raise as when, when I think of them as service providers. 
uh, Mark, where I have a problem with aldermen is where they just uh, don't take the time to uh, learn the issues, uh, show their ignorance. This is really the case on budgets and TIF matters uh, day after day. And I'm like, come on, guys. Why even being – don't even pretend you're a legislator if you follow what I'm saying. You don't even know how the system works. Right. Uh, and uh, so that's when it's hard for me to accept. Yeah, right, it's, very, it's very hard because they're, they're paid – they're paid – and they should be paid a decent salary because they don't need to be worrying about how they're going to pay their bills. We need to have them focus on taking care of the business of the city. Yeah. So I have no problems with them uh, earning a good living, none whatsoever. Uh, they should be taken care of uh, as well as the mayor should be taken care of. I want them to do that, but I want them to be competent in the positions that we have hired them for, for them to deliver. Yeah. And that, that there has not been an equitable exchange there. Uh, no, there hasn't. All right. Uh, let's, um, well, let's, let's keep it in the city a little bit uh, before we uh, go off to Trump land. A story broke yesterday. Uh, I talked about it at length in the show. Uh, Alderwoman uh, Julia Ramirez in the 12th Ward uh, gone to Brighton Park her, to uh, discuss a, a tent city proposal by the mayor, uh, the administration to put a tent city in her ward to accommodate the Venezuelan uh, immigrants who had bust in to Chicago from Texas. And she was met by an angry crowd of protesters who didn't want uh, the 10 city. Uh, and eventually, eventually they, they didn't like eat her up, but they kind of roughed her up. They rushed her. You can see it on uh, uh, Twitter. If you, if you look, it's on the inner, uh, you can find it on the internet. And um, to me, it was a very upsetting and disturbing scene, uh, Mark, and because it just shows how much, Chicagoans have been gaslit uh, by uh, Trump and MAGA on the issue of immigration. Um, they view Chicagoans by and large, or at least the loudest Chicagoans, seem to view immigrants as threats, uh, as something dangerous, uh, as like people who are going to come into your neighborhood and ruin it. Uh, and the Sometimes headline said, a not in my backyard brawl. That was the headline. And that not in my backyard, put it somewhere else. And I first began to notice this uh, in Chicago. There were some uh, meetings in uh, South Shore having to do with proposal uh, to put um, a shelter in, uh, in South Shore. And it was black residents. Uh, who were uh, yelling at city officials, not here, put it in Pilsen. I remember, like, put it in Pilsen, put it in Little Village. They were naming uh, Hispanic communities. And then there was uh, similar meetings uh, in Hyde Park at the Promontory, uh, where uh, it was like residents of Woodlawn and Hyde Park were yelling uh, at city officials uh, and the aldermen. Uh, and, uh, and now, again, uh, build a wall. Put it in Little Village. And now who we are in Hispanic neighborhoods. And these are people saying it in Spanish. And I'm like, Mark, what, like, how long do you have to, how long do you have to be in the city of Chicago before you just like develop like a hatred for newcomers who are not wealthy? It like, it's just something in the mindset of Chicagoans. They just turn on people who look different. In this case, they're, well, I guess these are uh, Mexican-Americans uh, in Brighton Park, so they're Venezuelans. So somebody, you know what someone did? Someone sent me an uh, email going, Ben, think on the good side, it shows that there's uh, diversity in the Hispanic community. I, well, it just seems like the same old hate to me. 
uh, that just exists in so many communities. So what is it about Chicago? Or maybe it's not. Maybe I'm too, being too hard on Chicago, Mark. Maybe this is more of a universal thing. But what is, in your opinion, you've been here for a while. What is it about the city that just like, engenders this hostility to newcomers, people that look differently or act differently than you? Help me out with this, Mark Wallace. I don't know that it's um, a attitude to newcomers. I think it's just blatant ignorance. It's very sad to me to see black people that are being gaslit based on disinformation and misinformation and not understanding the, the scope of it, especially that in the city of Chicago, and I say to anybody who wants to um, object and be nasty about uh, the migrants, I get it. The black community has been uh, disserved. The black community has been deserved, but it hasn't been deserved by migrants. It's been deserved by public officials who are black, who are white, who are Hispanic, who are Asian. And I believe we have, you know, some Italians, but these are all American citizens. It wasn't a migrant that shut down 50 schools in black communities. It was an American citizen who was a public official who did that. It wasn't a migrant who shut down mental health facilities in black communities. That was an American citizen who was an elected public official who did that. So our problem are not the migrants. These are not illegal people. These are people who came here, sought asylum, got the, the approval to come in and wait for a certificate uh, or certification so that they can go to work. The people that they ought to be angry about or angry with should be Governor Greg Abbott and uh, Ron DeSantis, who we just learned, 60 Minutes did a story on, that he was sending his goon squad to El Paso, Texas uh, to deceive people uh, and sent 50 people down to Martha's Vineyard. Well, what he did was because there was a law on the books that says that if there is a crime committed against those people who are seeking asylum, they automatically get a certificate to work. So what he was trying to do in terms of rejecting these people, he gave them a free pass. So I think it is ignorance that is fueling this kind of uh, dissension and I am sad to see black people participating in that disinformation, uh, thinking that they're actually being advocates for the black community. They really are not. It's a disservice. Uh, the uh, the the mayor that uh, Mark Wallace was alluding to, of course, is Mayor Rahm Emanuel, who closed the 50 schools uh, and shut the mental health clinics. He did that. Uh, the mental health clinics were closed in his first budget, which was passed by a vote. Get ready for this, Mark Wallace, of 50 to nothing in the Chicago City Council, meaning it was unanimous. And that meant black aldermen, Hispanic aldermen and white aldermen joined together to give a collective middle finger to the people uh, in low income, high crime areas by closing those mental health clinics. Shame on every single one of them. Uh, and then he doubled down by closing the schools. And then here's the part. It's still a little raw for me. 
was victorious nonetheless in his reelection battle in 2015. Right. And where, where was the outrage then? Yes. Selectively. Yeah, that, go ahead. That, that is what um th that's what is disturbing to me is that people are ill informed. They're ill informed. I don't know if it's intellectual laziness or what it is, or if they just are attention seekers or want to pretend to be advocates or activists or whatever they want to call themselves on behalf of their respective communities. I get it. I absolutely get it. But you cannot be an ill-informed, misinformed person who is advocating for better for your community. It just, uh, it's wrong. Well, I'm going to throw this at you. And here's a particular Chicago element to, again, uh, uh, hostility to newcomers is not just uh, a Chicago phenomenon. Absolutely. And prejudice based on race or ethnicity is not just a Chicago uh, attribute. So I say that I say that up front. What is a particularly Chicago attribute is the mentality of so many Chicago voters. They, they use their vote like they're cutting a deal. And it's so, like when Mayor Rahm was the mayor and Mayor Daley was the mayor, people were consumed with like, I'm cutting a deal. And you know, I cannot tell you, Mark, how many Chicagoans of all races have told me down through the years I can't vote for so-and-so, fill in the blank, doesn't matter who it is, it's the person running against the incumbent, because I want to vote for the winner. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, man, it's not like winning the lottery. If you if you vote for Mayor Romney wins, it's not like he's going to show up at your door with a million dollars. You don't get anything for that except for the same old policies. But it's like, I want to vote for the winner. They even tell me that like now in our system, you know, the first round, Mark, where uh, like eight people run, and then we all know we finally remembered that two people come for a runoff. It took Chicago a while to figure that out. I think most Chicagoans participate to finally figure that out. Um, but even then, they would like, and this is black people, white people, and Hispanic people. I'm not picking on any race or ethnicity. Each one of you, each race and ethnicity has this attitude. Then I want to vote for someone who makes the runoff. Why? What do you care? Who? <laughs> You don't win. It's not like a prize, you know. Right. It's like, right. Help me, Mark. What What is it about that Chicago mentality? Like, you think you're going to get something if you vote for the winner, and the winner doesn't know you voted for him? Please help me understand the Chicago mentality. Well, what it is, I call it individualism. Individualism, which is a toxic cancer uh, to the progression of people, especially those in the minority, that they believe that they are going to get a prize. And some of them do get a prize. It doesn't improve their communities. It might improve their economic lifestyle, but it doesn't do anything for their communities. You know, I, for an example, uh, T.L. Barrett's son, Tory Barrett, who was touting Rahm Emanuel on his second go around for mayor, but he got paid because they helped him build that facility on 55th and Michigan. 
didn't do anything for the community, didn't do anything for the era. He's got a mausoleum unto himself there, and they probably, you know, they have a few housing things there, but it didn't transform the black community. It didn't do anything for thousands of poor black people who still need help. So there are some individual uh, sell-offs, like what I call meritorious manumissions, um, that they will sell off the other slaves for their own freedom. So there, there are those people who believe that they benefit um, and that they're doing something for their communities. Um, but individual success, uh, Stokely Carmichael said something that changed my entire perspective on what prosperity and what wealth is. And I'm going to read it verbatim to you. Okay. I always carry it around with me. He said that no black person in this country makes any advancement solely based on his or her talent or worth. All individual advancement is based on mass struggle. We make no progress in this world without shedding our blood. Therefore, brothers and sisters, your advancement and success does not belong to you. It belongs to the people. And if you do not use your success for the advancement, for the benefit of your people, it is a betrayal of the people who shed their blood for you. That's what individual success and the responsibility of it is. So my success is not mine alone. I was just, you, you, you just like saw where I was going to go with my question. Uh, you're a successful businessman, especially in the, uh, in the real estate industry. And you don't view your success as like a triumph of you, Mark no. Wallace? No, no, it is not a triumph of, of, of me. There are many people who came before me that I will never know their names that scuffled, died, bled, fought, advocate for me to have the wherewithal and the opportunities to be able to develop the kind of success that I have been able uh, to have and participate in. Therefore, it is not mine and mine alone. Okay. You know, I'm glad you, you answered the way you did. Uh, before we move on from this, because I'll give you one thing that always kind of irritates me a little bit. Uh, and I, I'm like, I hear uh, an athlete, uh, a woman athlete being interviewed, let's say, uh, or let's say the first woman who was an, uh, like an astronaut or uh, got into one of the military academies. And invariably, this is like an 80s thing or a 90s thing. Uh, she would say, uh, I am not a feminist. I was like, I just wanted to do, I wanted to be an astronaut or I wanted to be a basketball player or I wanted to be whatever, fill in the blank, you know, making her the uh, like a, a tennis player, making her a woman uh, in a field where women hadn't really succeeded. Uh, we're now getting pay equity, et cetera, and so forth. Uh, thinking of tennis now. And I'm like, you know, 
I don't, why are you bending over backwards to distinguish yourself from the, the women who did the hard work before you came along to force society to think about women astronauts? You know what I'm saying? Uh, or women in the uh, military academies or women getting equal pay for soccer, tennis, et cetera, and so forth. You know what I mean? I'm like, I never understood that impulse to say, I am not this. They're like, that would make me a threat to you, uh, America. I am not a threat to you. I'm just like you. I want to succeed. I am not this. I'm like, what about all the people who were that? That's the only reason you're getting that opportunity. You hear what I'm saying, Mark? Absolutely. Uh, there, there is, there is a tendency, and there's a tendency for us all because when I was younger, when I was a younger person, um, and got into the real estate business early, actually on a fluke, it was no somebody else brought me into uh, the business. But when I was younger, I did have these ideas of I wanted to be rich so that I can have a big house and a fancy car and fancy clothes and and all of that that sort of sort of stuff so that I can be the you know the stuff right so that people can look at it and say hey look at that this but then I grew up and as I got older as I matured uh, and I was uh, blessed to be put uh, on the landscape of Chicago when I did in November of 1985 when Harold Washington was the mayor who was the absolute uh, catalyst to what I do today. He is the reason for that. I've never met the man, but he is certainly the reason for that. But I learned that whatever achievements that I have, somebody else laid some groundwork for me to have the opportunity to have a chance at achieving better than they did before. So I owe that. There's nothing wrong. Nothing wrong. Don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with people doing well and living well and uh, doing well for their family, because I intend on doing it for my family and for my wife and 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 um, as best I can, and we'll do that. But it is not mine alone. Yeah. I have a great debt to carry forward for the people in my community, which is why I believe that public officials need to read that quote from uh, Coakley uh, Carmichael, Stokely Carmichael. It is, it was transformational in my thinking, absolutely transformational in my thinking. It's biblical, really. It really is biblical that uh, whatever wealth that we have, we have the responsibility. That wealth frees me up to be able to do the work that I do as an advocate in the community. It frees me up from, from somebody even remotely thinking that they can buy me off. Um, or, or it frees me up from the position to be in a position that I might have to be compromised because I need to take care of myself. Uh, it's just a reality of that. So it, it, success for me is very different than what some other people see success as. All right, uh, let's move on to a favorite topic of ours, uh, topic... <laughs> And and that is Donald John Trump, uh, former president of the United States. The United Unfortunately, States. he's a favorite subject. Yeah, it's it's hard to escape him. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he has. Um, it's kind of been lost in the news of the war in the Mideast, but uh, he has suffered a couple setbacks 
in the case against him in Georgia. So this distinguished from the case of of taking the uh, the classified documents that he wasn't supposed to take, and the case of inciting uh, the insurrection uh, at uh, the Capitol, and the case of uh, uh, of sexual assault against E. Jean Carroll, and the case in New York uh, about um, uh, fraudulent business practices, where he had two sets of books on his property. I think I'm now reciting all the cases of the pr- Republican front runner for president. Just wanted to remind Republicans. Uh, and this is the case uh, in Georgia where he essentially was trying to manipulate uh, the election so that he and not Joe Biden would be declared uh, the winner of the Georgia uh, presidential uh, election and get all the electoral votes. Uh, he was thwarted in that effort and Fonnie Willis, the district attorney, filed suit against him. Two uh, of his Confederates have uh, decided to plead guilty. Uh, Mark Wallace, uh, Sidney Powell, and Ken Cheeseborough, or Chesborough, I forget which way he pronounces it, uh, have decided to plead guilty. And I presume they're going to testify against Trump. Uh, that's generally how things work when uh, a prosecutor gets sort of the lower level people to plead. Uh, that led you to make a prediction. Uh, so why don't you... Uh, uh, share your prediction and give the context as to why you are making that prediction. Go ahead. Well, the dominoes are starting to fall. And this is why federal prosecutors or prosecutors bring these RICO cases and they charge everybody in uh, the group because they know that there are going to be people, key people that are going to flip when they realize that they are toast. And um, Sidney Powell and Cheeseborough or Chesborough or however he pronounces his name, they got in the room with their lawyer. They had the opportunity to look at the discovery and to look at the facts. And the lawyer said to them, this, these are the facts. These are the allegations. These are the facts that support the allegations that will be brought to you. And you will be found guilty. And if you're found guilty, you will go to prison in Georgia. And in Georgia, there is no uh, pardoning in Georgia before you serve your time. So you have to serve your time before you're pardoned. And then it has to go before pardoning. The governor can't pardon you. So um, and Sidney Powell faced being disbarred, uh, being convicted, going to prison in Georgia. So she now looked at the facts of where she was, and she said, get me to a plea as quickly <laughs> as possible. The problem with that is mm-hmm. that they may look at People may look at that and view the fact that she pled guilty to a misdemeanor, but the conditions of that guilty plea is that you will tell the truth, meaning you will tell on Donald Trump. That's what this means, that you will tell the truth, you will make an apology to the people of Georgia. The bottom line is you're going to tell the truth and you're gonna be on six years probation. You won't lose 
your ability to earn a living as, as an attorney. Mm-hmm. So um, the fact that she did that, now the dominoes will start to fall even faster. Cheeseboro, within 24 hours, I guess not even 24 hours, they, they were at the table negotiating once they saw her plead, plead guilty. So my prediction is this. It is only going to get worse for Donald Trump in every one of these cases. Donald Trump is going to be faced with the real reality that I could go to prison. He is not going to see this all the way through. I believe that it's going to get so thick for him that he is going to cut a deal to plead guilty. In one of these cases, he's going to uh, plead guilty and ask that they all be joined together and whatever his penalty is, that it is concurrent for all four of these uh, criminal cases. I believe that that's what Donald Trump is going to do because it's only going to get worse. It's not going to get better for him. <laughs> going to get worse. He's going to get quieter. And as a part of that, he's going to agree to drop out of the presidential campaign. That's what he's going to do to avoid going to prison. That's my prediction. Wow. I uh, You made that prediction to me about half hour before on the show. And I said, we're not going to do the show before we do the show. Uh, and uh, so let's have to save the conversation uh, for on the mic. I have a hard time seeing that at the moment. Uh, and um, because it seems like Donald Trump's strategy at, at the moment is to get uh, elected president uh, so that he could avoid <laughs> uh, jail time by pardoning himself. Of course, he can't pardon himself in the case in Georgia because it's a state case. Uh, and he can't pardon himself in the case in New York because that's a state case as well. Although I don't think there's going to be any uh, jail time in that case. Well, um, there's not going to be any jail time in a civil case, but there could become a, a an, an indictment as a result of the civil case of the judge saying that you committed fraud. Mm. So the state prosecutors um, can look at that evidence. And if the statute of limitation has not passed, and there is evidence for them, uh, cause for them to bring a criminal case as a result of that, he could very well be facing another state criminal indictment. Yeah. So, all right. So his the point I was making that uh, his strategy so far uh, has to be, has one of defiance, uh, mock the prosecutors, taunt them, mock the judges, taunt them, uh, try to intimidate jurors. Uh, and just constantly fight appealing decisions, filing countersuits, which he then, like the Michael Cohen suit, he drops. Uh, right. I just, uh, I just dig it in, uh, and uh, with the hope, in my opinion, that, that he gets elected in November 2024. That would be the strategy. It would be interesting if he's uh, serving as our president from a, a prison cell in, in Georgia. So, I, I'm not sure I'm signing on to uh, your prediction at the moment. I'm, I'm absorbing it. Uh, and um, I, I, I feel 
if he loses Iowa, let's say, okay, which is the first, isn't that? The, yeah, that's the first uh, challenge in the Republican primary. Uh, if he loses Iowa to either, I guess, DeSantis or Haley, then he may start. That's you know when he may start uh, reconsidering his strategy. At the moment. Mark, he doesn't seem he's in utter defiance mode still. He's not going to participate in the Republican debate that's coming up. He's already said that. He's already he's already figuring out what he's going to do. You know, whenever there's a debate, he comes up with an alternative to like to, to take uh, att attention away from the debate. So he'll do an interview with a uh, a MAGA journalist. Uh, I think it was was it Tucker Carlson the last one? I can't remember. It was either him or Hannity. Uh, or he had that phony little. Uh, meeting with uh, non-union workers in Michigan. That was the last right. one he picked up. So he says he's still trying to figure out what he's going to do for the November debate to deflect attention from it. So he's still got that arrogance, Mark. You know what I'm saying? Like just, just dismissing the other candidates. They don't matter. Uh, and the other candidates are playing into it, Mark. They won't challenge him. You well, you know, they're as weak as water and it doesn't get any better for, for them to to challenge him he's not going to lose iowa he, he's going to win those primaries he's going to win those primaries he's going to come out victorious in those primaries but it's not the primary it's not the election that's going to bring him down it is the people who are now having to look at the facts of these allegations and know that they're going to jail those are going to be the people who are going to bring him down and when that reality sets into him, which I'm telling you, I believe that it is setting in when these two people have flipped, there's going to be more of those dominoes that are going to drop uh, in that case. And Giuliani is going to be one of those dominoes that is going to drop because the person who was in his ear and he was in their ear was Sidney Powell. Yeah. So, um, he does not want to see himself in a Georgia state prison. So he's going to flip. These people are going to flip um, like flipper. <laughs> you know, um, I promise you that they're going to be flipping to save themselves from going to prison. And Donald Trump, in my opinion, will do the same thing when he realizes, and his lawyers, his incompetent lawyers who didn't realize that they weren't barred in 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 Washington to bring an appeal yeah, wow. uh, are going to tell him they are going to tell him, look, this is where you are. This is where you are. And this is a real situation. You could be the first president and probably would be the first president that will get convicted of a crime and go to prison. You need to be thinking about another strategy. And I believe that that's what it is, it's going to be. I'll drop out of the race. I'll plead to uh, a lesser crime. I'll give an apology to the United States and for probation. Yeah. I think that that's what he is going to look to do.
Uh, all right. Uh, so I wrote it down, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it is uh, October twentieth, uh, two thousand and twenty-three. Uh, as long as I'm doing a podcast, uh, I'm sure Mark will be uh, a regular guest on it. Uh, so we'll be periodically checking in on whether you're correct. Uh, I, I would say I'll, I'll make one of my uh, famous bets uh, with you. It's just an excuse to go have uh, a lunch or breakfast someplace uh, that it won't do that. Uh, and so we will just now mark this. And I'll be happy to take that wager. Okay, I'll take the wager. We'll go to that pancake house in Hyde Park that I love so much. When, when there's food involved, I can't <laughs> lose whether I have to pay or not. <laughs> Uh, all right uh let's tie this to the most obvious uh it's cousin and that is jim jordan uh and maga in congress because maga in congress uh, is pretty much controlled by donald trump uh and they just operate in the trump universe that are exempt that they're exempt from all the rules uh and all the protocol that genuine generally uh, politicians have to follow so in the case of Congress, generally a politician uh, has to follow the notion that we fund government. It's like essential. It's 101. That's what you do. I'm not saying you have to be the second coming of Abraham Lincoln uh, as a brilliant uh, political philosopher, but you have to fund government. Uh, and MAGA right now in Congress is working for the assumption that they don't have to fund government. Uh, and uh, they refuse uh, to agree as a party uh, on a speaker, on a leader who will just dedicate him or herself to that just basic fundamental uh, concept of what a congressperson does. Uh, Jim Jordan, before we went on the show, uh, Mark, I think he failed for the fourth time. I've lost Third track. Time. Third, Third time? time. Yeah. I, there was a, an, a, just an, another vote that you may have been unaware of that just broke uh, before we went on, but whatever. Three or four okay. times. Wait. That's then then if it if it happened just before we went on there was a third were there are two votes today uh yeah i think so if there uh, were two votes today then it was four if there was only one vote today it was a three okay at 228 uh, uh this is from the uh, washington post representative jim jordan is out as house speaker nominee after a closed door gop vote uh, okay so that, that that's that's the fourth yeah. Okay. So there were three, there were three uh, votes in the chamber and one amongst themselves. Yes. yes. Right. That he, uh, that he lost and he lost votes each time yeah. <laughs> that he went up. Yeah. So I didn't quite understand his rationale that yeah. you're losing more votes each time <laughs> that you go. He got, he got fewer votes than the minority leader. Yeah. Yes. Every time. Yes. Hakeem so, Jeffries, New York. Yes, yes. Yes. Yeah, um, uh, yeah and, and uh, right now, uh, there is no, uh, how do I put this? There's, just, there's no grown-up in the room for the Republican Party. Uh, well, there hasn't been a grown-up in the room for the Republican Party since, uh, you know, 2010. Um, they've been getting more and more immature in the room. Yeah. Uh, with the Republicans, and certainly in the last five years, they have not been interested in governing. They've only been interested in gaslighting and getting attention. Jim Jordan, look, the, the two people that the Republicans had to choose from was a guy who likened himself to the KKK and another guy 
who voted to overturn the election and then went on Fox News, I think I read some 500 times since January 6th until now, yeah. uh, touting that lie. Those are the two people that they put up and had to, to try to choose between. And I, I, I still don't rule it out completely that the Republicans win in 2024 from the the point you made, the gaslighting point. And I'm watching in the city of Chicago, I'll bring up together uh, the two issues together. I'm watching in the city of Chicago where Hispanics in the 12th Ward, Brighton Park, are denouncing new Hispanics, uh, Venezuelans, Spanish-speaking uh, immigrants. Keep them out of our community. I'm like, you know what? Anything is possible uh, thanks to the gaslighting of America. I see it here in, in Chicago. I saw it in uh, the 2023 mayoral election where Brandon Johnson ran against Paul Vallis, and Paul Vallis was essentially a MAGA man who uh, convinced uh, Democrats who should be ashamed of themselves, like Senator Durbin and Tommy Tunney, the alderman, the old alderman of the 44th Ward, to endorse him and try to convince liberal voters that he really was, well, he was pro-choice. That was pretty much the only thing they wanted to, to convince them on because they were, they figured that would be the, uh, that would be the kiss of death politically. And he got, he won this MAGA man, uh, Paul Vallis won in like the 42nd ward and the 43rd ward, came very close to winning in the 44th ward. And I was like, wow, man, when you get liberals on the lakefront to vote MAGA, you have successfully gaslit people. When you get Hispanics to denounce other Hispanics, not in my neighborhood, you have successfully gaslit people. So I think it's a, it's a real threat. Uh, the gaslighting of America by Donald Trump and MAGA is a real threat. That's how I view it. Your thoughts? I, I concur and agree with you, um, you know, a thousand percent. However, I think that there rather than those people voting MAGA for MAGA base, there were people who were voting race in some of those wards. Some of those people were voting race um, and not voting for their interest. They were voting race. How, if you call yourself a Democrat, starting with Dick Durbin, who I've never been a fan of, and um, you are a Democrat and you're supporting a man who is propped up by the most extreme MAGA billionaires. Betsy uh, DeVos, Jennifer Pritzker, Ken Griffey, Sam Zells. These are all the people who supported Paul Vallis. And now, Paul Vallis, what's his reward? He is now working for the Illinois Policy Institute, which is a Republican think tank. The man who said that he's a Democrat. Yeah. So the people in those wards that voted for them. I, let me take back a little bit that maybe it wasn't so much as race. Um, Though there was, I'm sure, a little bit of, of that in there, but I think it was more, again, 
of political ignorance. Just because somebody is successful and has a high paying job and, but the political ignorance goes across the board, no matter what your socioeconomic uh, position is. Uh, You and I both know some people who are very intelligent people that are politically ignorant. Yeah, we won't we won't mention any names. Yeah. Uh, all right, we are running out of time, so we'll I'll put off to another time uh, discussion on Biden and Israel. I just want to let listeners know I did a uh, an hour interview, an hour conversation with David Ferris on this subject. I urge everybody to check it out. Uh, David Ferris is a student of the Middle East, has written about it, studied it. Uh, and uh, I just urge people to listen to it. We'll close uh, with um, uh, one of your favorite topics. You call yourself an advocate, not an activist. Fair enough. Uh, and uh, this has to do with red light cameras. The first time I interviewed you was on this subject. I don't know if you remember that. Uh, yeah. And uh, I was like, God damn, this man knows a lot about red light cameras. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so this, I'm, I shouldn't make light of this because uh, it's... Um, uh, not a uh, funny topic, but uh, there was an article I sent it to you uh, that um, I forget which publication it was, and I humbly apologize for not getting the name of the publication correctly. Uh, oh, CWBChicago.com. Chicago mayor SUVs rack up 11 red light and speed camera tickets in five months. People keep pe- people keeping track of uh, the red light tickets. Man, I mean, Mayor Rahm used to do that with his. Uh, entourage zipping through lights you know what i'm saying they're always mm-hmm. kind of, uh it was Lord, and lori lightfoot she had a fear zipping through that light because mayors are they gotta get to where they're gonna go and you're the mayor of the city of chicago and i guess you get this kind of feeling that the rules don't apply to you and everybody else like this is such a contentious issue uh the tickets that people get uh from these cameras your thoughts on Mayor Johnson uh, and red light cameras and just sort of update us on this situation. Go ahead, Mark. All right. Well, well let me first say this, that, uh, you know, we had a, a partial victory in the class action lawsuit out in Crestwood, Illinois. Crestwood, Illinois has removed all of their red light cameras uh, and they are contending that they moved them because they're doing some road improvement. And you don't ha- uh, you don't have to remove the cameras to do road improvement because the cameras have nothing to do with the roads, um, and that they're relighting them. But you know it's a nice little cover that they uh, use so that they don't have to acknowledge uh, their liability. Uh, but they're doing it, in my opinion, to mitigate the damages of the class action lawsuit. But but going forward to uh, Mayor Johnson, I, I think that. Um, not being critical uh, of the mayor's motorcade, what it is is it's more proof that that is a system that is not set up for safety. It is a system set up to catch people to turn our roads in Chicago to toll roads that everybody can pay. Now, I'm not sure why the motorcade, and I'm being facetious, why the motorcade hasn't been booted because they changed the policy on that, that if you had two red light camera tickets or speed camera tickets that you're eligible for a boot. I think he'll, you know, so I'm not sure why, you know, didn't get a boot on him. So, but I think that more so than criticizing him or his motorcade for that, 
it is really more of uh, proof that that is a system that is set up purely to catch people to make money. Yeah. Bottom line. Yeah. Uh, and this city is uh, desperately looking for any source of money you can get uh, without taxing uh, high-end uh, deals. Uh, J.B. Pritzker just said he was going to veto any bill that would be a LaSalle uh, tax. Uh, so the movement... Well, toward- I'll tell you this. If he does that, yeah. if, he, if he does that, if he vetoes it, I am going to mount a campaign to ensure that if he has any notion of running for re-election, that he's not going to make it. Well, first of all, I don't think you have to worry about that because that would him vetoing it would imply that it passes, which I don't think it would ever pass uh, the House and the Senate. Well, but we'll see about that. He also, uh, in a surprise move today, and we didn't even get to this. I'm, I'm sure I'll be talking about it next week. Uh, said he was not. He was going to support uh, the. Um, the tax, oh my God, the tax credit uh, that people get for uh, contributing to scholarships uh, for kids to go to private schools. It's a voucher program, essentially. It's a tax credit of 75 cents on the dollar. So uh, if Mark Wallace were to contribute $10,000 to the scholarship fund, the state would send him $7,500. Pause and think about that, ladies and gentlemen, at a time when the, the state of Illinois is desperately looking for money to pay its bills. The city of Chicago is looking to the state of Illinois to uh, help pay the bills of migrants. And the, the, the state of Illinois is basically ignoring them. And we're going to give out money uh, to rich people in the name of helping poor people, raising the question that I always ask with, how come if we say we want to help poor people, we got to give rich people money first? Why is one thing connected to the other? You want to help poor people? Help poor people. Oh, don't get me started on this, Mark. I go on why, and on. Why can't rich people just pay their fair share and we can help poor people? We can have great schools in every community. Just pay their fair share. Pay your fair share. And you know what? You want to contribute? Contribute. What? You don't need the tax credit. <laughs> That's the part that gets me every time. You're rich. <laughs> if you want to help some poor kid go to some fa- some private school, kick in. Well, I- all J.B. Prisker is saying is that, hey, my rich friends, give the money and I'm going to give it, give you 75% of it back. And, you know, you know, you'll be able to write the other 25% off. Just give the money and it'll make it look like we're doing something. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's a real insult. Um, to, uh, to 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 poor people and and to the electric at large, it's just an, a complete insult. And for anybody who is in the general assembly, any black public official in the general assembly that does not support the um, transaction tax, that you're telling me that with the billions of transactions that they can't pay a little bit to generate hundreds of millions of dollars, they're all still going to go out on their yachts. They're all still going to, you know, go have their lobster, you know, meals two or three times a week. It's not going to change their lifestyle at all. Not going to change their lifestyle, but it can transform our communities. It can transform our educational, public education uh, system. So any Black public official who does not support the transaction tax, the 10 by 10 to win, which is another uh, organization of mine to build a 1 million voter voting block, we are going to target every one of them to oust them from their offices. That is going to be a laser focus of 
10 by 10 to win. All right, folks, I wrote that down to 10 by 10 to win. Uh, several proclamations and predictions uh, for Mark Wallace on today's show. And I am really going to hold you to that Trump one. Uh, if you were correct, I'll get you a lobster dinner. How about that? Do you eat lobster? Oh, man, I love lobster. <laughs> I love lobster. I'm not. I yep. love lobster. I'm not supposed to eat it because of my gout. They say, "Hey, no shellfish," but I'm like, oh, "I love man. Uh, I love clams. I love all that stuff." Alaskan king crab. Oh, I just man, listen. <laughs> I, listen, I bought some from the family. My wife and and my granddaughter, who was here, staying here with us uh, last week. I went to my favorite uh, place out there in um, the south side of Chicago. Are you familiar with Decolas? Where's where's that? Where's that at? It's on 107th and Western Avenue. They've been around for, he's fourth generation, almost 100 years. Wonderful seafood place uh, that I used to go weekly before I got married. Um, but, you know, of course, uh, I don't go as frequently. But, Wait. and he's a Republican, by the way. Oh, wow. He loves, but he's more the he's more the more reasonable Republican, right? Okay. He loves me to come, and I don't know why he does it. He sets himself to be totally obliterated by me, in the middle of the restaurant. <laughs> did he vote for Trump? I'm almost certain he did. Yes. Okay. All right. Wow. Or is he one? Uh, is he a black man? No. Oh, okay. I was gonna say because. Uh, I remember like Charles Barkley. Says, I don't know. Is the cola Italian? I don't know. what. He I don't is. know. I could be anything, you know, anyway, I, uh, Charles Barkley always, cause I'm a Republican. And then when you ask him who we voted for, he always voted for the Democrat. It was like, why are you calling yourself a Republican then? Well, I like Clinton. He's a good guy. I like Gore. He's a good guy. Oh, but he the question that you should ask him is what is a Republican? He couldn't even answer it. What is a conservative? He couldn't tell you. Yeah. No, oh, that's a whole other conversation. Charles Barkley, he is a fascinating, he's just, a, I find him endlessly fascinating because some of the things he says are so outrageous, yeah. but some of the things he says, in my opinion, are so wise. And um, he has a sense of humor. He's not afraid to make fun of himself. Uh, he speaks from his heart. Uh, you got that right. Yeah, he's going to speak from another part of his. <laughs> I love the man. I'm just going to say it right now. I love Charles Barkley. Yeah, I uh, like him too. In in a strange way, I like him too. But he's, you know, he really is an idiot. Oh, stop! Uh, the the views and opinions of Mark Wallace do not necessarily reflect those of the Ben Jarofsky show, especially when it comes to the round mound rebound. Okay, no, Charles. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I, I promise not to do that. I, I, <laughs> you did it, and that's all right. Yeah. All right, Mark Wallace. Thank you so much for taking time to talk to me. I know you're a busy guy. And man, uh, man, I always have time for you, and I really appreciate your work. I've admired you uh, even before you even knew my name. <laughs> um, I used to listen to you all the time on that other station. I used yeah. to listen to you and your. I guess you made some proclamation about Stacey Davis Gates running for governor at a time? Yeah, I did. No, I mean, what I said was, uh, I did this, I did this whole thing about how, oh my God, that brought back a memory. Uh, like there were no women running in the Democratic primary for governor in 2018. So I then named all the women I thought, and then I, one of them was Stacey Davis Gates. Pretty much nobody knew at the time. You know, that was before she right. elevated as a public person. But she'd yeah. been coming on my show. I'd known Stacey for 10 years 
we always have intense political discussions. I always had a lot of respect for her. So I threw her in. Why not? Stacey Davis Gates, you run. Uh, I'm an SDG uh, fan. I'm an SDG fan. I'm actually a member, quiet as it's kept. I'm a member of the Chicago, uh, what is it? United Working Families. Yeah, United Working Families. I've been. Have you been over to the Chicago Teachers Union facility? No, I, I've been by it. I've never actually been inside it. It is on believable <laughs> it's unbelievable uh of the force and it's only twenty five thousand of those members and they are a force in chicago politics uh well they uh they're really the reason brandon johnson's our mayor now absolutely uh, and uh so yeah chicago teaches you all right mark wallace thank you very much thank you ben. uh and also want to thank producer chris he does an outstanding job mark agrees with when i say hey producer chris Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. Peace and love, everybody. And remember, you can always catch up on previous Ben Jarofsky shows. Hear those Benny J bonus interviews that you missed out on. And even find columns from Ben Jarofsky just by going to chicagoreader.com. And if you want to find Ben Jarofsky on Instagram, that's really easy. Just search for at Benny J Show. And then if you would, please, I would really appreciate it. Like and subscribe to this podcast, The Ben Jarofsky Show, on your favorite streaming and podcasting platforms.